Hello, this is Chris from We Hate Bards. I'd just like to thank you for listening to our podcast. And if you like what you hear, we have plenty of more podcast material on iTunes, or you can check our website at wehatebardspodcast.com. If you like what you hear, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. If you want to join any of our games, you can look us up on Meetup at We Hate Bards. Membership is always free, and we have games going pretty much all week. If you want to support us and throw a little coin our way, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash wehatebards. Backers will receive early release podcasts and custom content, including homebrew games, custom modules, and more. So thanks again for listening. And now, on to the podcast. Hello again, this is Chris from We Hate Bards, and I'm here today to play <clears throat> Alone Against the Flames, a Call of Cthulhu supplement, uh, a solo adventure, in fact, for the Call of Cthulhu 7th edition Quick Start rules, uh, which I got a while ago. Uh, it's written by Gavin Inglis? Yeah, and I've really been wanting to play this as part of kind of uh, uh, my solo role-playing uh, kind of thing I'm doing here. But I haven't had a chance to, uh, and then I lost it, but then I found it again. Uh, so we're going to go through this today. Uh, Mike had gone through this a while back, but his, uh, his playthrough was, uh, something happened with the audio and it got, it got tanked. So, uh, we're going to go through it again. And so let's start out on page one. This is, it's much like the, uh, all of the choose your own adventure stories, uh, you know, go with this, do this. Go to this page. Go to this number, uh, which is quite—it's quite big. It's quite—it's got like two hundred and seventy, um, you know, entries in here. And it this—I think this was meant as uh, you get this and you make a character as you play, which I think is really interesting. A lot of uh, role-playing systems used to do this. I know I know. I look at GURPS and a couple other ones where in the book they would have a short scenario, and the scenario as you play would help you make a character. It was kind of a you know, a thing. They don't really do that too much anymore, so I'm glad to see they brought this back. So let's begin at this. So, Alone Against the Flames. Yes. Alright. Are you ready to go nuts town? Yes. Alright, so, here, got my scenario, got my coffee. Mm. I can never uh, overstate the importance of having a cup of coffee. Alright. So, entry one. The sun is high in the sky, a merciless ball of heat. You feel scorched by the time you reach the bus halt in front of the Osborne's drugstore. It's a relief to put down your heavy cases and take off your hat for a moment. You fan your face. It has been a long summer here, in your hometown, and yet a curiously empty one. You look across the street at the grubby butcher shop, the grocer with its fading awning and the shabby tobacconist. Mistrustful faces glare at you as they pass, eyeing your clothes and luggage. Oh, by the way, this is a 1920 scenario, so, you know, no modern stuff. Uh, it was your parents' choice to live here, not yours. You were happy down south as a child, among Providence's white-walled houses and leafy churchyards. Perhaps this new job in Arkham will supply the change you need. Ooh, maybe not. Uh, yet everybody you know in the world lives here. You know nobody in Arkham, not one soul. You ask yourself one last time if you're doing the right thing. The answer is here. None of your supposed friends have come to see you off. You are alone. Oh, oh, oh poor guy. Whatever challenge lies in Arkham, it will be a new life and a brave one. A small gray motor coach approaches and it rattles to a stop. You put your hat back and pick up your case. Go to 263. Okay, Ooh, starting off good. We haven't eaten a bullet yet, so we're doing all right. Okay. The two young men with sullen expressions uh, uh, alight from the coach. One looks up and, and down before heading, uh, heading away. The driver also steps down, glancing at you before crossing the road to visit the, the, the tobacconist. When he returns, he is rolling a cigarette between his yellowed fingers. Ugh. He gives it a final twist and examines you as he reaches for his matchbox. He is a thin man in his 50s, dressed in a stained shirt... Uh, with a bus company emblem, yet his eyes are sharp in their dark sockets. Word two. You show him the ticket for Asapi. From uh, there, you will connect to Rochester and Portsmouth before the coastal line to Newberry's Port and finally Arkham. You should be able to afford a rail ticket for at least some of the way. Otherwise, this will be the first of many long bus trips. Mm-hmm. The driver scratches his match and lights the cigarette. 
The end flares as he takes a draw. Then he exhales and gestures back to the top of the coach. Look at drafts up there. Look at your investigator sheet. Ooh, I got my investigator sheet. We're starting. Um, you have spaces for eight characteristics. Strength, constitution, power, dexterity, appearance, size, intelligence, and education. Allocate the following values among them. Writing in the large square beside each. 40, 50, 50, 50, 60, 60, 70, 80. If you would like more information about what these characters mean, turn to page six of the quick start rules. Okay, so I played, I haven't played as much. 7th edition, I'm very, 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 very familiar with uh, 6th edition, 5th edition, further editions. But I like I played 7th uh, edition a number of times, uh, so kind of I understand what these mean. So like, you know, strength is, you know, how strong you are. Con is how tough you are. Pow is like your inner power. Um, you know, it affects your, uh, you know, casting spells, spells against you and uh, your sanity. Uh, you know, dexterity is how quick and ambidextrous you are. Appearance is, you know, how hot you are. Size, how big you are. Intelligence, how smart you are. Education is how educated you are. You know, how many years you spent at college. So, let's see here. Oh my goodness. Alright, so we gotta get some numbers. Let's go, um... Ooh, so he's going to Arkham. Not, okay, this is, this is difficult. This is difficult, difficult. We gotta, we gotta make this character... I'm trying to think of, 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 of like, who he should be. Like, who is it? Well, first, let's, let's give him a name. Let's say, um, I don't know. Let's say Jack. Yeah. So, Jack, um, let's give him some numbers here. So, I would say that, uh, you know, he's probably got, like, a, a let's, let's say 80 in education. You know, I'm going to say, uh, I don't want to make him big. Let's say, uh, <laughs> oh, this is tough. Let's say, all right, let's, let's make this guy, let's just make this guy a smart guy. Really smart. So he's super educated. He's got a 70 in intelligence, an 80 in education. Uh, let's put like a, 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 what do we got else here? We got a, a seven, 80, 70, that's already done, two 60s. So I'm going to put the 60 in strength uh, and 60 in con. Yeah, and then we got three fifties and a forty. Well, fifties going in pow, definitely. Uh, let's go forty in appearance. Yeah, he's not much to look at. Another fifty in pow, and he's average size. Okay, so we got sixty in strength, sixty in con, fifty in size, fifty in dex, 50, forty in appearance, seventy in intelligence. Oh, that's smart cookie. Fifty in pow, average, and eighty in education. He's an educated young man. Okay, when you have that done, go to page eight. You got it. All right, page eight. All right, the driver smokes and watches as you drag your cases to the back of the motor coach. The rack is set up inconveniently high on the vehicle. You grip on the, the heavier case. If your size is 40, go to page 23. If your size is higher than this, go to 38. And my size is 50. So let's go to page uh, 38. So I think I'll be able to get it up here. The driver continues to enjoy his cigarette, watching you keen as you struggle with the case. You grit your teeth and heave the second one into place. Perhaps the residents of Arkham will have better manners. Go to page 233. So if I didn't get it, it probably would fall on my face and I would lose hit points or something. I don't know. Okay, 233. The driver flicks his cigarette into the gutter and steps into the motor coach. Its engine coughs into life. You board. Grateful to be the only passenger for this integral part of your trip, at least. With mixed emotions, you watch from the window as the tired avenues of your old home slip behind you, receding into the distance. For a few moments, you can still see the church spire over the brow of the low hill. Then the road dips, and it too is gone. Arkham is your new home. You will travel there and make a new start. You see two smaller houses to the right of... You see two small boxes to the right of each characteristic value. Having each value rounding down, write the result in the upper right-hand box. Okay, so... Yeah, this is how, how it works is like in the, in the new Call of Cthulhu game, so you have like a main stat that's like a, a, a like a, a one to a hundred number, and half that is like a, a like a hard like roll, and then like I think a f like a fifth of that or something is like a, like a, a, a super duper hard roll. So like strength halved is like thirty, you know. So we got like thirty, thirty, uh, twenty five, twenty five, twenty, thirty five. 25 and 40 for education okay uh the right uh upper right also divide each value by five again rounding down right there in the lower right box so that's like the really tough roll so that's 
you know, you're trying something that's like exceptionally difficult, you know, so it, it, it helps without having the, um, oh my goodness, what the resistance table they used to have in the old Call of Cthulhu games. Uh, so like 12, 12, 10, 10, 8, uh, oh, what is that? Why can't I do math today? Uh, 14, yeah, that's it. I'm a smart guy. 10, uh, and then 16 for education. Okay. All right. In the strip below, you will see tracks that record sanity and magic points. Beginning sanity is equal to your original POW, of course, which is 50. So, you know, average. Uh, and, and beginning magic points are the same as the values just assigned for the POW. So, yeah, so my magic points uh, equal... Wait, hold on. In the strip below, the beginning sanity equal to POW, beginning magic points are the same as you sign the POW, divide by 5. Okay, so my magic points equal to 10. Yeah, that's what it would be. Okay, so I sign these to the tracks. Uh, then we can go to page 134. Sweet, we're on our way. See, we're building this character. He's going to be great. He's going he's gonna to fall down a pit, and he's not going to be able to get out because strength is not great. All right, the coach putters along the countryside. At first, the interior is stifling, and your stomach lurches with every bend of the road. However, the driver opens the window, and by switching seats, you find a spot where the breeze hits your face. You soon relax in the journey. Oh, big mistake. Observing the quaint little hamlet that the coach serves, a heavyset woman boards at one settlement and gives you a polite nod. She gets off at the next one. The road rises a little, passing cornfields and orchards. The leaves are turning, and the trees are alive with glorious reds and golds. You've just begun to doze when the driver takes a tight bend at speed. Add size and con together, then divide the total by 10. So size and con together, uh, let's see, are 110, which is 11. So uh, uh, this is your starting uh, value for your hit points. 11, eh, not shabby, not terrible. Uh, hit points, mark on your investigator sheet, your current total may drop, but is unlikely to exceed your starting value. You also have a luck score. Roll three six-sided dice. We call this 3d6. Oh, 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 oh. I didn't know this. See, I didn't know this was derived. All right, all right, all right. I got 3d6 here. Got my thing full of dice. All right. So luck, 3d6, uh, is 10. Okay, okay. So uh, by 5, 10 die 5 is 50. So that's my luck score. Okay, and this game you can like burn luck to do things to increase your skills and things like that, so you don't so you don't die die horribly. Okay, here, let's see. All right, so let's see. So we've done that. Got size and con together. Now you must make a roll against your dex roll on a d100. Oh, I gotta get my dice out already. My goodness. All right, let's get some percentage dice out here. Here we go. A couple of percentage guys. All right, so this means rolling two 10-side dice and using one value of 10s and one value of 1s. Uh, you must choose which before you roll. Oh. If you roll equal to your dex or less, you pass the roll. Hmm. Good. If you roll greater than your dex, you fail the roll. You may, be, you may be tempted to skip such rolls and simply pretend you always pass. But Call of Cthulhu is a game of mystery and horror. The terrible disasters that can befall your character are part of the fun. Exactly. Exactly. You will not necessarily have more fun if you pass every roll than if you had a fail. All right, so let's see. So my dex is 50. I got 11%. Pass. So pass. Go to page 261. Let's see here. A desperate yell awakens you. You feel yourself slide from the seat as the driver spins the wheel and the motor coach plunges off the road. You grab a hold of your seat in front just in time to prevent a painful fall. The coach stops with a thump. Now you see what happened. A Fortson tractor has stopped in the road, and your driver has had to swerve to avoid the steel obstacle. He leaps from his seat into the road, unleashing a string of curses at the farmer. You take a moment to catch your breath. Perhaps you should offer assistance, but the driver has already returned. He backs the coach up a little thre and threads it around the tractor, glaring at the farmer. Okay. Go to 71. Using your journey, the driver takes you. Uh, driver takes the curves uh, with more caution than before. He glances over his shoulder at a couple a couple of times. Sorry about before, he says. That fellow was dumber than a hog. I'm Silas. What's your name? Uh, the accident was at least as much Silas's fault as the farmer's, but it doesn't seem true to antagonize the man while he is driving you through the middle of nowhere. Make up a name for your character and record it on your character sheet. Name is Jack. 
Uh, you may add your age for the purposes of the adventure. Uh, your character should probably be between the age of 23 and 36. Okay, I'm going to say he's 32. Uh, because I think that if he's education 80, he should be a little bit older. Okay, the coach turns onto a narrow road which weaves up through the woodland. Up through the woodland. Silas becomes chatty. Going to Arkham, eh? Can't say I ever heard of that place. Went to Boston once. Didn't like it. Too much hustle and bustle. You got family there? Special someone waiting? The afternoon is wearing on. You see no harm in confiding in Silas about your life. A job, eh? What's your line? Choose an occupation from the character of the following options. If you're an antiquarian, go to page 102. Doctor of Medicine, 226. If you're a journalist, 239. Private Nessier, 249. If you're a professor, 265. Oh, we're going classic. Classic. We're going to antiquarian. So, go to page 102. Okay, so... You mentioned uh, the assistance position you were offered at Arkham's rare book and maps on the strength of your recommendation by a distant friend of the family. Thinking about the treasures that must pass through that shop returns some of your excitement you felt upon receiving a letter of appointment. You feel a tingle in your palms. You cannot wait to get started. Books, eh? Silas takes the conversation no further. <laughs> so he's done. When she's like, yeah, I got like books and stuff. And Aquarian, he's like, yeah, mm-hmm, all right. Well, this conversation's over. Uh, you get the feeling he is not much of a reader. You get credit rating skill at 20%. Ooh, okay. So let's go to credit rating. Give me 20%. Sweet. Uh, your occupation skills are... Okay, let's write this down. So appraise. Uh, let's see. Art, crafts, particularly field. Okay, we'll think about that one in a second. History, of course. I'm a history guy. Let's see. Good history. Uh, library use. Of oh, of course, you've got to be that. Uh, other language. Ooh, we're going to have to get some type of like Latin or something. Something something good. So language other. Uh, spot hidden and either charm, fast, or intimidate. Okay, so we got spot hidden. Of course, because you want to be able to spot those monsters. And then go bananas. Uh, and either charm, fast, talk, or intimidate, or persuade. Uh, I mean, it doesn't seem like we're very charming or very fast talking. I think we're more of a persuade kind of guy. Okay. Alright. Uh, you may pick one other skill except Cthulhu misses a personal specialty. Ooh, okay. So let's do Ooh, this is a this is a tough one. Let's do uh uh let's do stealth. This is a good idea. Yeah, stealth. Okay. So allocate the following values among these occupational skills, writing in large square beside each. 70, 60, 60, 50, 50, 50, 40, 40. Okay. So we got to do this again. So I would think his his best thing would be uh, a library use. I mean, that's pretty obvious because he is a, uh, you know, antiquarian. So 70 to that. And then uh, what do we got? Two 60s. Well, obviously it's going to be 60 in history uh, and probably, ooh, uh, 60 in appraise. I mean, appraise, they're probably using this book, but that's like one of those skills like that in Operate Heavy Machinery that never really gets used in Call of Cthulhu. Okay, so then we got, uh, what, 350s and 240s. So probably Arts and Craft is a 50. Let's see, Persuade is a 50. Uh, uh, stealth is a 50. Spot Hidden is a 40. And Language Other is a 40. And I think that's it. Yeah, that's all my skills. All right. So, let's go to page 128. And it has the, the skills have the same thing as the main statistics do. Like, they have the, the, the rounding down and the, the hard rolls and everything. So, that's probably next. So, 128. All right. All right. You realize Silas hasn't made a stop since the incident with the tractor. The motor coach winds its way uphill. However, your thoughts are interrupted as the road crests a ridge and you are treated to a magnificent view of the vistas below. A creek snakes through the valley, breaking the rich autumn palette of the tree line. In the distance, the white mountains rise into a hazy cloud. There is no settlement, not even a cabin, as far as the eye can see. Birds drift through the treetops. You can see, you can just make out uh, what might be two white-tailed deer lingering by the water. Perhaps you are making a mistake by moving to the city. Could you survive on your own in the lush wilderness? Ooh. You have a base ability in most skills listed in the bracket after your skill on the investigator sheet. For instance, you have 20% in climb and a base dodge equals to half your desk. Dex. Okay, yeah, you have base skills. Choose four skills which are not your occupational skills, not Cthulhu Mythos. These are your personal interest skills. Boost each of these by uh, 20%. 
At this point, you may calculate half of one-fifth values of each skill uh, in just the same way you did for your characteristics. Remember to round down. If you are bored of these calculations, you can leave the math until it becomes necessary. Or if you're using the interactive PDF version, by the interactive PDF version, uh, uh, you'll see it does all the math for you! It's a big exclamation point. So, uh, let's see here. So, we got to pick four skills. <sighs> Boost them all by 20. Okay, so, uh, I'm going to say anthropology. So, that's be like uh, 21%. Uh... Let's see, what else What else can he do that is good? Let's go psychology. 20%, 30%. And of course, of course, occult at 25%. Gotta add that occult skill. Okay, so I'm not gonna do the math right now. We can do that whenever that becomes uh, applicable. All right, so now I'll go to page 144. All right. Da -da 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 -da. All right, the motor coach rattles on through the hills and silence lapses into silence. The sky dar uh, darkened behind you, pinks tinted with clouds as the sun recedes. Finally, a welcome sight comes into view, a settlement on the crest of the hill. This doesn't look like the pictures you've seen in Osprey, uh, Ossipi, but perhaps you can uh, persuade Silas to stop while you stretch your legs. Minutes later, a harsh stuttering from the engine interrupts your reverie. Silas frowns and rattles the gear stick. The motor coach falters in a descent. Silas utters a curse you don't recognize and grinds his teeth. Struggling at the wheel, you seem to inch up the hill until it reached the first building, low dwellings constructed from a rough red stone. Silas rests the coach into a small bay off the road. He scrambles from his seat and makes for the engine compartment. He must now choose to make a roll against drive auto or psychology. If you choose drive auto, you need to roll equal or less to your skill value. If you choose psychology, you need a hard success. Oh, this is a roll equal to less than half of your skill value. Ooh, um... If you're all success against drive auto, go to 174. If it's hard against psychology, go to page 195. Okay, so my drive auto is at base, 20%. And my psychology is 30, 15. Well, let I mean, better chance of doing drive auto. Let's do drive auto. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, so drive auto. Nope. Okay. So 174. All right, we don't know nothing. That's what we, that's what we get for not picking automobiles. The garage noise heard, uh, heard could, of course, indicate engine trouble, but there also seems consistent with bad gear selection and incorrect... Uh, hold on a second, hold on a second. Uh, yeah, so... Make sure, okay. Let's see, incorrect debunching. Uh, mm, okay, let's see here... Yeah. Oh, I think that I made. I think I made a mistake really quickly here because I think I actually went to the uh, the actual one that is uh, 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 that I succeeded on the the drive auto check. Um, I just won't check it, you know, because I think I think this is the opportunity where it gives you a chance to uh, to check the thing, to teach you how to check things, to to increase your skills. I just won't check it. So, uh, investigator sheet, check the marked box on the left of drive auto because, you know, you said what the engine trouble was. If you success complete this adventure, you have the opportunity to learn more experience with Silas. Go to page 194. Okay. But I won't. I made a mistake. That's okay, though. But now we're at the thing. Silas opens the engine compartment, opens the sticks, his head inside. The hot metal pops and sizzles. He pokes at various uh, components and withdraws a hand with his brow, smearing it with dark grease. I ain't sure what's wrong. Might be oil pressure. Might be something knocked off kilter when we took the hill. Can't do much until the engine cools either. And with the light failing, I reckon we'll be here through the night. He wipes his hand in a rag. The shadows in the surroundings are already long, and the air is chilly. You feel stiff from the journey, and the night in the rickety coat sounds unappealing. Silas sees your dismay. There's the emberhead. Miles from any place. I only come through twice a week, but the folks here are good people. May led better. Kept a spare room. She'll look after you. Up that alley, turn right. First house on the left. He scratches his cheek, looks again at the engine compartment, and spits on the ground. Meet back here at eight in the morning. And we'll see how we stand. To look at, uh, to look for May Letterbur's house, go to page two sixty-seven. To ask Silas where he will spend the night, go to page two fifty-one. To challenge Silas about the breakdown, go to page two fifty-seven. Now we're not going to challenge Silas about the breakdown. He's the mechanic. We're going to go to May Ledbetter's house to page two sixty-seven. You drag your cases uh, between the sullen buildings, and you feel surprisingly weary, considering you have spent all day sitting down. Silas direction leads you to a modest dwelling with a slate roof. Nameplate reads Leadbetter, and underneath a sign in neat uh, copper plate reads Lodging Room. 
The lane around you is gloomy, but a lamp flickers in the window. A breeze chills your face. You're about to uh, begin your new life by sleeping in the street. <laughs> Wait, okay. You, uh, you're you not about to begin your new life by sleeping in the street. You're up on the window beaten door. Go to page four. Yeah, you don't sleep in the street. You got a place to go. All right. After a moment, you hear footsteps inside the house. A bolt is drawn back and a wooden door swings open. A figure with a loose curls and a rough-looking house dress peers at you. Her gaze takes in your traveling suit and your cases. Her voice has a slight Irish uh, uh, lilt. I am not going to attempt uh, an Irish accent. Hello, should I take it as you're looking for a room for the night? You inquire as to a wraith, suppressing a grimace. As far as you, as you see, the village does not offer you many alternatives. Oh, you may find them very reasonable, she says. You look tired. I may. Come inside and we'll talk over a cup of tea. The Ledbetter house feels cramped with low ceiling and in simple fittings, but is well kept and a cheerful fire crackles in the grate. The aroma of tea is soothing and the cup warms your fingers. Have you been to the Ember Head for the festival, asks May. Oh, to explain what happened with Silas and the coach, go to page 14. To ask about the festival, go to page 21. Why ask about the festival? We're an antiquarian. We want to know things. Well, now I suppose the festival is about the only reason folks come to Emberhead. I thought you had maybe come to study it or take photographs. Well, it's not tomorrow night, but the night after. I suppose it looks very strange to a passerby. May tops your cup of tea. The spout chinks against your cup. We got the beacon, you see. One night every year, there's a torchlit procession, and we light the beacon on the cliffs. You've never seen the likes of it. They say it keeps the spirit of the village alive for another year. It's a celebration. A celebration. She trails off for a moment and blinks. But you didn't come here to listen to me blather. You must be hungry. I can rush you up a bit of stew. How would that be? Now, of course, in a regular Call of Cthulhu scenario, um, with regular bloodthirsty investigators, they would immediately leap on this woman and beat her to death, um, and interrogate and torture her for her occultist friends. You say it wouldn't happen, but it would. Uh... You ask about her rates, and May names uh, a price so low you accept it without hesitation. The room is small but comfortable, and the stew uh, dark and hearty. After dinner, you have a couple of hours before the user bedtime. To talk to May, go to page 31. To walk around and get your bearings, go to 75. To turn it early for that, go to page 63. Well, we're going to continue to talk to May, because we want to find out what's going on in here. And she is probably the best person that would know what's, what's up, what's happening. So, May talks about life in Emberhead. In her letters, my sister always asks if I'm not bored, living in such a small place. She lives in New York. There she writes about how frightened she is to walk home at night, I ask you. You mention your hopes for a new life in Arkham. May doesn't seem to hear you. It's a small place, yes, but that means we have real community. Everyone faces known. Everybody works together. Nobody is excluded, except those who choose to exclude themselves, of course. I couldn't live anywhere else now. Make a charm roll. Ooh, ooh I should pick charm. Okay. Uh, charm is at 15%. 22, still out of 15. Uh, if you fail, go to 51. Yeah, so I didn't make it. Not very charming. Uh, as the hours wear on, you are amused to hear May transform into a sort of tired tourist guide. Of course, the views from here are spectacular on a good day. A clear view all around. If, you, if you're a painter, you'll be right at home. If your tastes burn more to the artisan, there are wood shops in Silbury Street. Just at the end here, and turn right. There's not, they're not set up for visitors, you understand, but you see the real craftsmen at work, the genuine article. Now, if you're looking for freshly baked bread, it seems a shame to point out that you intend to be on the road shortly. You let May continue until she begins to yawn. Oh, would you listen to me yapping? Time to turn in. Would you like, when would you like your breakfast? Now go to 63. Oh, you're not getting breakfast. You're dead. You're dead. Uh, as May stands, you hear a clunk behind you. You look over your shoulder and all you can see is a wooden door securely closed. May tuts. The young lady of the house, she'll have, she's been listening to us. Ruth, come and greet our guest. There's a short pause, then the door creaks open. Two wide eyes peer from the gap before be tousled hair and a rough nightgown. What do you say? The eyes blink. Pleased to meet you. Now go back to bed. The door closes again. My daughter Ruth, ten years this summer. She delight and a torment all in one. Don't worry, she's, uh, she sleeps in with me. She'll not disturb you. Good night now. You retire in your room. It's a little chilly, but you are t too tired to worry about lighting the fire. The sheets are clean, and the bed soon warms up. The silence outside is strange after living in a town for so long, but you soon drop off. Go to page 154. 
Oh man, this is it's setting. See, it's setting the scene for all this really bad stuff that's gonna happen. The festival, everybody working together in town. We're all super nice. No, that's not true. You're a bunch of cultists. Uh, the dream of uh, you, you dream of fire in the grate. Uh, course. Lovecraft, Lovecraftian words, corsicating color, shimmering through the dancing tongues of flame. At first they are tiny, almost microscopic, but they grow and grow into a kaleidoscope inferno spills from the fireplace, spreading across the floor, up the sheets. You wake with a start, daylight glints through your curtains. You get up and examine the grate, blinking from your sleep from your eyes. It is quite cold. If you have taken any damage, you may heal one hit point back from a night's sleep. Go to page 166. Nope, I am healthy as healthy. Okay. May seem to have no running water, but sup, uh, but supply some in a ceramic jug. You freshen up at, uh, at the waste bin and go in. She cooks a hearty breakfast and leaves you in peace to eat. At about 7.30, you are paid up, packed, and ready to go. You bid May goodbye, and she wishes you the best for your new career in Arkham. If you succeeded a skill last night, you wish to investigate further. Go to if you exceed a skill last night and you wish to investigate the results further, go to page one seventy eight. Otherwise, go one ninety two. No, I did not succeed at a skill. I'm an antiquarian, and so my, uh, you know, my uh, library use at seventy did not come into uh, handy. So. You are already tired of your heavy uh, of your heavy bags. Hopefully, Silas has repaired the motor coach, and you can resume the long journey. A sour pussy might be, but the old driver seems to understand his vehicle well enough. You pause to check your watch. Still 20 minutes early. You round the final corner. The motor coach is gone. You put your bags down and search the area, trekking up and down slopes and around corners. At the edge of the village, you trace the long road back as it winds across the hills. Eight o'clock comes and goes. There is no coach to be seen. A passing villager notices your bags. Looking for the bus? Hard to take off at first light. He's due back in three or four days. If you need a place to stay, May Ledbetter rents a room. The man raises his hat and strolls into the village. You curse Silas under your breath. Perhaps he went for parts. But you wonder if the old goat has stranded you here on purpose. Go to page 218. <sighs> Silas. You're going to be the death of me. But um bump May is doing laundry and looks surprised to see you again. Forgot something? When you explain your situation, she offers to store your bags while you try to arrange alternative transport. You are grateful to relinquish the load. Nobody here has anything like a car. She stokes her chin and narrows her eyes. Maybe you could find somebody with a horse and a cart for your bags. I could ask around later. Try Mr. Winters at the village hall. He'll know if anybody will. Or ask among the artisans. Their workshop are the first left on Silsbury Street. She reaches over and squeezes your wrist. Don't worry. I won't see you sleeping in the street, money or no money. You thank May and turn to face the village. Go to page six. Oh, Neil's going to put you into some type of, uh, you know, uh, what do they call it? Uh, sacrifice. <laughs> you wander the streets of Emberhead without any particular destination in mind. The village is built in a relatively flat upland with splendid views. To the north, the hazy tips of the White Mountains reach for heaven, the heavens. To the south, the sparkling waters of Lake Owinipesaki touch the horizon. The village itself takes less than five minutes to cross from edge to edge. You arrive on the winding street to the west. The only road uh, leads to the south, forming, uh, following a lower ridge of land as it turns east. In the southwest of the village, an open grassy space borders a ruined church, its graveyard cresting the cliffs. To the northeast, the three main thoroughfares meet at a raised black metal structure. It looms stark against the blue sky. You may now ask about transport to a local general store, seek out the village hall, walk down to the lower level and check out the eastern road, examine the large metal structure, explore the church, look for local people and their own transport needs. So I'm obviously going to be here for a couple days and I'm an antiquarian, okay? So I'm really interested in like old stuff, interested in like, you know, things. So I'm like, let's go to the church. You know, I know, I know what you're thinking. Like, this is a bad idea. Don't go to the church. But I'm in character and this guy wants to go to the church. He's like an old abandoned church. You know, he's an antiquarian. So you cross the street towards the church. As you glance to your left, uh, you gaze a, 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 a light on the large metal structure. Something bothers you about its positioning. You look back up again. Yes, Everhead Central Thoroughfare points directly at the structure. This seems too precise to be a coincidence. You press uh, on and draw into the shadow of the church. The building is in a sorry state. The top of the steeple is missing. A ragged gash of splintered boards marked its absence, and the floors beneath have collapsed. It appears to have uh, torn through its roof in the main building and fell. Only the back half is still intact. The white paint which once covered the church has yellowed and peeled. 
Uh, it seems safe enough to explore the rear section. Old pews are stacked against the wall, choked with mildew. Most of the windows are broken. You guess this church has been disused for about 20 years. There is little more interest to you. Make a ride roll. Uh, you may have a bonus die. Roll the 10th percentage dice twice. Otherwise, take the low result. If you succeed, go to page 46. Otherwise, go to page 25. Okay, so this is also the new thing in the Call of Cthulhu 7th edition. Is they have uh, like bonus dice. So instead of like getting bonuses or doing like things by like five or things, uh, like they have bonus dice. So what your bonus dice is, uh, is you have get an extra d10. And when you roll it, uh, you get to like pick the, the, the better one of those. So it's, it, and it's also the tens percentage dice. So uh, my ride is not good. It is, oh boy, <laughs> 5%. Okay. So basically, I got to get a zero zero on either of these to make it. Don't. So it doesn't matter. Okay. So I don't make it. So I'm going to fall in the church, and um, you know, be all right. You begin to get your bearings in Emberhead. Uh, would you like to explore some more? Oh, why? Why did heaven make a ride roll? I don't. I don't understand that. Okay. Sure, okay, so whatever. So it, it probably if I made a ride roll and I made the success, I probably could get something. Uh, you may choose another option below. Do not repeat a previous one. Once you have tried four options, or before that, if you're ready to move on, go to page three. Okay, so I go to page three if I want to move on. So I chose one. Uh, let's go, uh, we'll exam examine the large metal structure. I mean, we saw it before and it's really bizarre. So you walk into the approach, the most central of the village major street. It points directly at the odd metal structure. As you immerse in the shade of the nearby buildings, you're greeted by a magnificent panorama spread from north to southeast. The last colors of the fall tint the hills in a sleepy gold. The structure, by contrast, is made from uncompromising iron, single black. It supports an immense curved platform at the level of your head. Further stretch snake up the central point. It looks like they may have been some kind of sculpture at one time, but now are twisted metal beyond recognition. An older gentleman passes, looking up at the with roomy eyes. Are you here for the festival? he asked. That's the beacon, where they light it, night after next. You'll be able to see it ten miles away. He was a little nod of satisfaction, then moves on, leading down on his walking stick. Now you notice bundles of wood, tied and stacked against the building nearby. Perhaps this festival will be an interesting diversion, but you really must get to Arkham as soon as possible. Make a spot hidden roll. All right. So I actually do have good spot hidden. Got 40%. That's not, uh, that's not terrible. So... Don't make it. All right. Otherwise, go to page 25. All right. So, okay. So we did that. So that's two things. Uh, so we can do two more things. Let's go check out the Eastern Road. That sounds like a good idea. I mean, we got nothing else going on. The air is fresh. You walk down the lower uh, ridge. Uh, invigorate. You notice cultivating fields stretching through the lower lands around Emberhead and among the crops, uh, some livestock, but no horses. Are you going to uh, make your onward journey on foot? Further down, the road skirts the edge of the ridge and descends. There are a few scattered uh, hobbles here with signs of habitation. They are a set of uh, substantial distance apart. As you examine them, a door opens and an old man steps out. He wears a bed-raggled suit and carries a piece of cloth which he tosses over his face like that of a hood. As he does this, he sees you and freezes. Make a luck roll. Ooh, if you succeed, go to 27. If you fail, 135. My luck is 50. Ooh, I'm running hot tonight, as in I'm doing very poorly. Uh, so I failed. Uh, go to page 135. So, all right, so he's got on his cult gear. All right, that's fine. I saw it. The strayed man breaks into a run, fleeing from you along the ridge. His gait is lopsided. But his movement has a maniacal intensity. If you give chase, turn to page 150. You have better things to do toward 160. Oh, let's give chase. I mean, he's running away. Stop. I mean you no harm. Uh, you break from the road and pursue the man, feeling wild grass snatch at your feet. He sprints around the ridge, attempting to elude you behind the very rocks that support the metal structure high above. To catch the man, you must make an opposed dex roll with your dex versus his dex. This man has a dex 38. Uh, he scores a hard success roll on 19. Ooh. And under... Uh, wait, he scores a hard success roll on 19 and under, and an extreme dex roll on a 7 and under. Make the man's dex roll, then make your dex roll. Compare your level of success with an extreme uh, success beats a hard success, which beats a regular success, um, which beats a failure. If there is a draw, um, the higher skill value wins. Okay, 
Okay, okay, so I get it. So now like these are like opposed rolls, and whoever gets the better level of success. So let's roll for him first. Dex is 38. Uh, oh, he makes it. So he makes that, and my dex is 50. <laughs> Damn it! 51. Okay, so he, so, I mean, this is, I mean, honestly, this is par for the course for me when I play Call of Cthulhu games. Like, constant fail rolls, constant, you know, poor decision making. Alright, so, uh, so yeah, so he, uh, if you lose a roll, go to page 87. Alright, so he, he, he beats feet and he's gone. Man, I'm not, I'm not getting anything done in that one. <laughs> Alright, you round the outcrop and find the man disappeared. The ridge extends much further to the west. And the outer edge leads to a dangerous drop. You have lost him. You may make a spot hit a hard spot hidden roll. If you can see, go to a page eighty one. If you give up, go to page one sixty. So a hard one would be a twenty. I don't make that either. Uh, go to page one sixty. All right, I give up. I give up. All right, you turn your back to the road and your core business. Getting out of Emberhead and onwards towards the Ossipede. The, uh, the ridge gives you a good viewpoint from which you can see the course of the road and winds down the hill, disappearing to woodland for a while before merging further on. You lose uh, sight of it somewhere toward a second patch of woodland. By your best estimation, this is at least six or seven miles distant. You see no further settlement of traffic. Maybe we're talking, it may be worth taking a chance and walking. Uh, the weather is still mild, but you will need supplies before you attempt it. Go to page 25. So, yeah, so let's see. Uh, ask about transport general store. Go to the village hall. Let's go to the village hall. So that was that number three. So village hall will be the last one. So 84. All right, here. The village hall backs against a cliff in the east of Silsbury Street. It's the largest building you've seen so far in Emberhead. It is, however, locked and shuttered. You walk around it, peering through gaps of the shutters. There seems to be one large room, preferably for community meetings, and a smaller annex which serves as an office and an archive. One of the windows is bricked up. Back at the main door, you can see uh, no posted opening hours. Mr. Winters doesn't open up mornings this time of year. This is a oh, excuse me. This is a great. Oh, hold on. Let me say that again because I, I do this as a man. Mr. Winters doesn't open up mornings this time of year. Says a gray garb woman passing by. Best come back this afternoon. You ask whether the office is a telegraph. Don't know. She shrugs. Who? Uh, who would we call? You will have to try again later. Page 25. Oh, 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 Okay. So, uh, let's see. Uh, so now we go to page three because we've done all four. So, I mean, we've exhausted our time frame. Okay. The morning excerpts have left you hungry. You roam the streets of Emberhead looking for sustenance. There's nothing resembling the busy cafes of your hometown or anything that might be called a restaurant. It's beginning to look like you will have to get supplies in the general store uh, when Maid Ledbetter comes down the street with a... Uh, Get the store. When Meg Ladbrook comes down the street with a girl trailing in her wake, this must be Ruth. As she notices you, she races past her mother and approaches you with a smile. This is a different Ruth from the shy creature of last night. As she reaches you, she stops and stretches her arms up in celebration. She looks in your eyes. Abruptly, she smiles and drops them from her face. Uh, she looks several years older. Get out before the festival, she hisses. Get out! She blinks hard and scuttles back towards her mother. May approaches, wrapping her arms around her daughter's shoulder. She smiles. How are you getting on? Have you found transport? Startled, you explain the frustration of the situation. I tried Mr. Winters in the village hall. He's always in in the afternoon. You'll be hungry by now. Help yourself to the food in the house. The door's not locked. You glance at Ruth, where she has uh, squirreled herself behind her mother's legs. Her eyes implore you to silence. If you ask Ruth about what she said, go to page 9. If you ask me about Ruth what said, go to page 15. If you say nothing, go to page 22. Oh, we are saying nothing. No. No way. We're not. Well, yeah. When somebody comes up and says like something like, they're out to get you. They're going to kill you. And like a bunch of other people are like looking at you. You don't obviously say like, what do you mean about these people trying to kill me? No, no, no. We just be quiet. Uh, you take uh, your leave of the lead betters and head toward the house. Uh, the door opens easily. In a low kitchen, you make a, you make a meal from a dodgy bread and leftover stew. A little window offers a view of the mountains. If you learn one thing this morning, it is that Emberhead streets hold little to occupy the visitors from out of town. There are still about five hours of daylight remaining. You could take some provisions and the bare essentials from your luggage and set out on the hopes of reaching another settlement before dark, or you could ask advice from Mr. Winters. Uh, if you prepare for the walk, to walk out of town, page 28. If you head to the village of Halstead, page 28. I'm going to say, let's get the hell out of here. I mean, like the girl said, like we have to get out and like this isn't working out. And I think that we can walk 
out of this place just fine to get to another settlement. We'll send for the bags. It's fine. So, you take money, water, and some sandwiches. It seems polite to leave me a letter note explaining the situation, and then you return for your bags as soon as possible. The sky is flecked with clouds, but no sign of imminent rain. A couple of villages you watch you descend the southeast road and follow it around to the east. The black metal structure looms on its prom uh, promontory above. You shiver as you pass the lower huts and head out of Emberville. After the miserable and closed streets of Emberhead, you are fresh by the open air and sense of progress. An hour later, however, an empty road ceases to be a novelty. You have just entered the first patch of woodland when you hear an eerie, lingering howl from the north. Making natural world roll? <laughs> oh no, I don't got natural world. 10%? I didn't make it. If you fail, go to page 41. I don't want to fight wolves. You hesitate. You have grown up familiar with familiar, uh, familiar of the town. Wild animals are a little outside your experience. It is wise to head into the unknown by yourself. To press on, go to page 254. To return to the page of Emperor, page 47. Well, we're going to press on. I think we'll be, I think we'll be fine. I think we'll be okay. It's not. There's no problem. A second call answers the first, but it sounds further away. You follow the road through the woodland branches, lean over the road. The foliage is quite beautiful, gold to russet, deep, rich red. Fallen leaves crunch beneath your feet. But a half an hour later, you emerge from the trees. The road makes a lazy curve of the foothills ahead. In another patch of woodland, a rough track seems to offer a shortcut through the woods. If you head up the hill and try to spot another settlement, go to page 60. If you try a track, go to page 85. If you stick to the safety of the road, go to page 103. Uh, let's go try and find a, another settlement. The gentle incline is misleading, as your forehead is damp by the time you reach the top of the hill. You pause for a moment and get your breath back uh, and look east. The valley head is thick with forest. Although you uh, catch glimpses of a narrow waterway, there is no sign of a settlement. But that might be something on the horizon. A spire, maybe? But is it surely another eight or nine hours walk? You look back at Emberhead. The hilltop village is black. A rough silver against the shimmering sunset. You may make an archaeology roll. Yes! Oh, wait. Damn it! <laughs> I put in anthropology. Uh, well, hey. 1%. There's always a chance. And it's uh, 22. So, no. All right. Uh, otherwise, go to page 72. All right. So, yeah, we didn't quite make it. Yeah, we kind of slept through the archaeology class. And Archaeology 201 and Archaeology 301. All right. You feel a sting of self-doubt at the thought of your case back on the hill, abandoning the care of a woman who never met 24 hours ago. They contain all your world possessions save what you stand in. Yet a piece of delights in the foolhardy expedition with no map and precious few supplies, striking further the unknown at night falls. Your life has been sheltered to now. There is a certain joy in the dangerous freedom. Well, that's not good. They're going to do something bad to us. You return to the road and resume your walk east. At least uh, you hope you are still heading east. The curves of the road becomes disorienting when the light begins to fade. Clouds hide the stars. It seems you will not be able to reach another sun before dark. You feel worried. It was a hard listen. So be 10%. No. 234 it is. All right, let's go there. All right, we are about to get eaten by wolves. Uh, another cry spills the gloom. It is the same unearthly call you heard from when you entered the first patch of the woodlands. By this time, with a grating undertone, it makes you shiver. It seems closer. Take refuge in a tree from night, page 208. To keep walking, takes 215. Let's go in a tree. Yeah, I don't like that. Uh, the echoing call comes again. This time, it is answered by something closer to you. This seems a good time to get off the ground. You select a tree with obvious footholds and thick branch about twice your height. You haul yourself up. You are not dressed for this. Make a climb roll. Uh, if you fumble, go to page, uh, 96 or over, go to page 22. Otherwise, all right, so let's make a climb roll. I don't make it, but I didn't fumble. So if you, you go, otherwise, go to page 228. Okay. Let's see, two Eat yourself into the widest branch you can see, and that that teaches you about fumbles. Like if you fumble, like something like usually really bad happens, you know, like unexposed your hands, you fall, things like that. Uh, but you do feel safer in this elevated position. Night settles slowly around you. The woods come alive with small noises, scratching nearby, distant bird calls, and gentle rustle of leaves. Although resigned to a long, tedious night of wakefulness, after a few hours you find yourself yawning. You loop your belt around the branch and your clothing to hold yourself in place as best you can. Then you close your eyes. Turn to page 246. In your dreams, the trees change position, lifting the roots from the ground and shuffling to another spot before planting themselves again. This seems pretty normal. Comp comp uh, companion to believe it. 
They start to glow a greenish yellow as the flames lit. Flames? The trees begin to scream. Tongues of flickering fire snake up the trees towards you. Scramble at your belt to bind you to the pyre. Coughing as vapors through your throat. Choking. Make a sanity roll. Ooh. Sanity. All right, my sanity is at 50. I didn't make it. If you fail, go to page 258. All right. Uh, the belt parts, and you plunge from the uh, conflagration. The ground rushed towards you. Lose 1d2 sanity and 1d3 hit points. Now go to page 1, 2. Ugh, all right. So I lose uh, 1 point of sanity. So I'm at page... Uh, oh, wait, that's luck. Uh, so that is 49 and 1d3 hit points. Ugh, 3 hit points. Ugh. All right, I'm at 8 hit points. Ouch. Ooh. Ooh. So I'm guessing I, 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 I undid the belt and then I fell out of the tree. All right. The skin of your face feels warm. There is a mattress beneath you. You blink against the sunlight. A blurred figure swims in your vision. You're awake. It's May. May lead better. You shift and pain racks your body. You feel bruised and your head throbs. May comes into focus. You're lucky to be alive. A former found you in the small hours lying by the road. Uh, patched, uh, patched you up and brought you back to, on the cart. Said you were in the middle of the woods somewhere. Best take it easy today. I'll look on it later. The farmer and his cart are long gone, of course. You snooze a little longer. Uh, you receive first aid while unconscious. You may score one hit point. Okay, so I get one hit point back. That's good. At least something. Now go to page 64. All right, so, okay. Uh, I think we're at about an hour here. No, about like 50 minutes or so. So what I think we're going to do um, is I think we'll go to 64. Uh, this is a good place to cut it for this for this first section because it's a lot longer than I, than I, than I thought it was going to be. Uh, so I think what we'll do is we'll make this a two-parter. Yeah, because I thought, I, th I honestly thought we were going to get, like, like totally eaten or something by some awful Cthulhu monstrosity before we even got a chance to get anywhere. But that's pretty good. So, all right, we'll leave it here. This will be part one. Um, you know, we tried to get out of town. And it didn't quite work out. Um, maybe, maybe day number two would be good. But you'd better believe that we better get out of town before that festival starts because we're going to end up on that pyre all blazed up. All right, folks, uh, so see you in the next part. Uh, you've been listening to another fine We Hate Bars podcast.